This is episode number 171 of the Rising Man podcast with Dr. Breck Jones. The life you want is waiting for you. Welcome back, Rising Man family. Thank you for joining me here today. Jetty Azuma here behind the mic. If you don't know me by now, I am the founder of the Rising Man movement and your host for today's episode. Before we get into our guest for today, I want to let y'all know that we're rolling out our next season of Inferno here in the middle of May 2021. Inferno is our 12-week leadership training grounds for men. It is amazing. We've had five cohorts so far go through Inferno, and each one has been stronger than the last. So your chance to sign up and catch one of those last few seats is still happening right now. So go to risingman.org slash Inferno and get yourself signed up today. Okay, my guest for this week is Dr. Brett Jones. Dr. Brett is the founder and co-owner of The Source Chiropractic. He was able to build a seven-figure practice within five years and pay off all student loans within six years. His chiropractic artistry has inspired thousands of chiropractors and chiropractic students to join Cairo's training culture in transformational camps and be a part of one of the largest movements in the chiropractic profession today. Dr. Brett's social media presence has allowed him to communicate the chiropractic principle and showcase the art of the chiropractic adjustment to millions of people around the world. His unshakable purpose is to facilitate the reconnection of humanity to heal, live, and evolve naturally. In this episode, Dr. Brett channeled some straight wisdom for us all. He went off on this one. It's really, really good stuff. He spoke about the three paths to manifestation, a process for creating the life you desire. He discussed victimhood and how our circumstances never have to dictate our reality. Dr. Brett channeled some powerful messages about spiritual alignment, connecting to our inner truth, and bridging the gaps between the spiritual realms and the material reality. Buckle up. Dr. Brett is about to hit you with a dose of wisdom. Without further ado, Dr. Brett Jones. All right, fam. Got another amazing man joining me here today, Dr. Brett Jones, coming in live from Tucson, Arizona, but originally by way of Oakland. Am I got that right? That's right, man. It's all new for me, man. Getting that desert vibration, that cactus medicine. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah, man. What was it like growing up in Oakland? So I practiced in Oakland, but I grew up in SoCal. And so I would say, you know, SoCal and, and the Bay are quite different. SoCal, in some ways, a little more relaxed and has its own language and syntax. But yeah, most recently in the Bay Area for the last 11 years and Oakland specifically, I feel like it's a city of resilience. It's a city of beautiful artistry, beautiful cultural diversity and education. So I got to learn a lot about different cultures and just different ways of life and different ways of being. It's a very progressive city. But it's also, it can be a hard city to live in because, you know, something that's shifted big for me is not really needing the high value of resilience and perseverance because in itself is a state of defense. Mm. And so that, I feel like that's a pattern that I learned really well. And I'm glad that when times get tough, that I have that skill set of being able to keep on keeping on and persevere through tough times. And yet it's something that I don't want to continually call in. And yeah. so I do think that was part of why we ended up transitioning was really wanting to call on different energy and to work a new geometric pattern. But the Bay Area taught me so many lessons and the source chiropractic is what it is because of Oakland and it had its heavy influences on who we are as people. So it's deeply grateful yeah. for it. 
One of the things you just said there, I really resonate with, man. I always told people that growing up on the East Coast, right outside of New York City, there was that blue collar, hard working, hard nosed, persevering mentality that I know has served me really well since moving to California because that sets me apart from a lot of the folks out here who are native to this area that just like to cruise. You know, it's like easy going, no problems. So I like being able to tap into that vibe, but have that hard worker, blue collar mentality when I need to. But I've also noticed some of what you said that it can become seductive or almost innate that that's the only way I know how to operate is it's got to be hard. It's got to be a struggle. It's got to be a battle because that's the story, man. That's the story where I grew up. And, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if it's accurate. I know some people call Oakland the Brooklyn of the Bay. I don't know if that's accurate or if that's an insult to West Coast folks, but. (laughs) I mean, it's accurate in ways and different in ways. Yeah, just kind of how Brooklyn because the main city forever where a lot of stuff was happening was Manhattan. And so, you know, people outside the city, honestly got thrown away, but kind of got pushed aside to Brooklyn, you know, whether it was mm. just the, the cost of living or whatever else. And that's kind of similar, you know, that a lot of the SF natives that then when stuff got expensive, started going more to Oakland. And that's why I say it's like kind of a city of resilience. It's kind of like that step shop. You know, it was never quite in the limelight, but always there. And I feel like, you know, now Brooklyn's more popular for sure, you know, and it's kind of taken on a name of its own. But for a long time, it was just like the other city. Mm. It's kind of like the other child. And so, you know, when you're the other city or the other child, you have to take on a certain energy. This is actually really in alignment with the three passive manifestation that I teach, which Mm. could be powerful for your community. Let's drop into that, man, and we'll navigate from there. Tell us about the three paths of manifestation. So there are three primary ways that we can create in this third dimensional reality that we call life and interact with as a human in the five sense reality, if you will. The first one is recreating a blessing. This means that say, you know, we come from a household where we have great examples as parents and parenting. And when we come time to have our own family, we just recreate what we already know, right? We knew how our parents interacted with us in positive ways and created space for us and educated us and da, 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 da. Say we come from an affluent family and we got to learn about financial literacy and we got to learn about money as energy. When it comes time for us to create it for ourselves, we just recreate the lessons that we already know. It's like having a blueprint, right? And going to build a house. So this is what I call the light work. So this is taking something that's already been experienced, right? In the third dimension and just recreating it. You already have the plan. That's one way to create. Now, for many of us, we may not have been blessed with those original opportunities of having the great parenting education or having money and financial literacy education. And so what the fuck do we do? Is it just, well, you're shit out of luck because you didn't know. That's not how it works. So there's another way, right? And this is a way that I know many actually create in this world. This is the transmutation of a wound. So this is the shadow work, right? So the first one is light work. And what it does is it, it uses kinetic energy, energy already in motion, and you just continue the process. We also have the shadow work. Now, shadow work is a potential energy, meaning that every time we've experienced some level of stress, some level of trauma, some level of challenge, it creates a space within us, like a wound. I mean, I think it was Rumi that said, uh, the wound is what lets the light in. And that's a possibility. 
meaning that in this potential is a potential if we learn how to transmutate it, meaning flipping the energy from something that was originally felt as negative and then moving it into a positive. For many, that negative stays a negative and it's a repeating pattern for the rest of their life and can continue to create damage and trauma and suffering. For a few, they learn how to overcome the challenges, the trauma, the pain, the suffering. And they use that potential energy and they flip it. That is my life. So a little bit of my back history is uh, at the age of 14, I lost my older brother in a car accident. So he was 18 years old when he passed. And uh, following this tragic incident, life as I knew it was forever changed in some big, big ways. My, well, our family lost religion. So we were a, a Christian faith and we stopped going to church. It was hard to believe in a, you know, all knowing, all powerful, all wise God that just couldn't save an 18 year old and his girlfriend. And following that, my dad lost his job with the CHP. And then following that, my parents split. Following that, my mom became suicidal and then she ended up leaving us. And so it was me and my two younger brothers, no longer with the mom that had raised us. And in that fucking time, it was a fucking nightmare. It was just, uh, there's no other way to put it. I went from living in what I thought was a utopia with this, you know, stay at home, hardworking mom and hardworking father and, you know, three to four sport athletes, all of my brothers and having everything, I don't know, just felt good. And then it was just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, all within the span of like two years, all that shit happened. And so during that time, I myself became depressed, became suicidal. I didn't really see the light out other than the potential that I could get a scholarship playing football. After two years in junior college, I ended up getting that scholarship. And there was a lot of healing ahead of me, but I do think that was kind of a start. I mean, I would say the continuation of that process was I mean, being called to chiropractic, discovering that chiropractic had a philosophy. And in that philosophy, realizing that there's this universal intelligence that's in all things. And it exists within me as my innate intelligence. Because when I lost my brother, I became mad at God. And I thought God was uh, something outside of me. And when I had to take ownership of, yo, that shit that you've been mad at this whole time, the shit that you've been running away from, the shit that you've been trying to numb is you. And if you want to heal it, you got to feel it, brother. And that's when, you know, I started the, the healing process and started taking me in just uh, some more responsibility for myself and where I was at and the pain I was feeling. And I started to embrace it. And in that embrace of feeling it, took it out of the potential energy and started to transform into something now that I could do something with. So it just didn't feel like this empty fucking hurt and this missing of something, this void. It felt like, oh my God, no, now is it an energy that I can feel? And in this feeling, I can now choose how it shows up. I feel like that's what led me to my purpose. Now, the reason I wanted to bring up the three paths of manifestation is those that get really good at transmutating wounds keep creating them for themselves. You're talking about new wounds, creating new wounds? Absolutely. We do a facilitator camp every year for our club facilitators within Kairos training culture. And it's like a five-day experience where we go through all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, and the sleep deprivation and fasting and cold water immersion and, you know, just things that really take people out of their threshold. One of the other lead facilitators was facilitating this exercise on sacred contracts, basically was leading us through this process. And one of the things he was leading us through is, you know, what is something that you've done to get you up to this point that is no longer serving you in the here and the now and that you could let go of? 
And I had this strong visual. And meanwhile, I'm actually uh, two and a half days in a dry fast in this when we're going through this process. So I was almost almost tapped in a little bit. (laughs) I get this visual and this image and it was me slitting my wrist. And the words that came in was, what if you no longer had to cut for capacity? Fucking still till now, I'm just like, oh, it hurts. Because that's what I realized I've been doing. Because I had experienced historically so much pain to then see success, I didn't allow myself to experience success without pain. Mm. And if I was experiencing success and there hadn't been suffering, then I felt like I didn't deserve it. Oof, that's big, man. That's something that sparks something in me. Cause like I was saying before, you know, that hard work and hard nose mentality becomes all I knew. Right. If I'm being honest, it's still all I know. I, even though I'm aware of it, yeah. I get into things and all of a sudden I'm like, damn, I'm doing the same thing I've always done. I'm busting my ass to the point where I'm getting physical consequences, headaches, back aches, driving myself into the ground. And there's part of me still that takes pride in that. Like that's a badge of honor. And that's something I witnessed growing up everywhere around me. It was like, man, the hardworking man, the guy who breaks his back and busts his ass is somebody worthy of honor and accolades for the way that he does what he does. Right. And so, you know, that can be toxic. Mm -hmm. Just like anything in excess becomes a poison, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we're all learning that in different ways. You know, it's a masculine trait when needed. Thank God you have it. But when it becomes the main operating system, it just continues to create suffering when it's not needed. Mm -hmm. Now, pain is necessary for growth, right? Pain is necessary for growth, but pain and suffering is different. Suffering has the mental anguish that you put on top of the pain. So if I want to learn to get stronger and I'm going to move into some new challenges. Having new challenges is a way that you know that you are growing. But it doesn't have to be uh, sourced in the suffering and putting it on ourselves. And that's what I was doing. I was continually finding ways to take a process and then make it as hard as it could be to receive the fruit of the labor, if you will. Because mm-hmm. historically, that's the only way that I knew success. And so, you know, following that image and those words of, you know, what if you no longer had to cut for capacity, I was revealed the third way. Right. So it's like, well, if I'm not recreating the blessing because I haven't seen it yet or I haven't been exposed to it. And the only other way that I know to create success or to create in this world is through pain and suffering. What if there was another way? And that's where I came in, which is direct spiritual transmission, which is the third way. Mm. So direct spiritual transmission is when what you experience right, in the inner sense or in the spiritual dimension or in the 5D, some will say, is as real and as strong as what you experience in the third dimensional reality or in the five sense reality, right? We are all blessed with these gifts. And I do believe that these aren't for the chosen few, that it's actually within us all, just like this intelligence is within us all. Unfortunately, some of us just have not had the opportunity to connect with something beyond the small self, beyond the ego, beyond the personal identity. And that could have been from what we were taught, you know, from our, some would say the MFTP, the mothers, fathers, teachers, and preachers, that they created this paradigm and perspective for us, really, that can be a mental prison. We are all capable of what some would call the psychic abilities. It was actually episode four of the Empowered Human, which was from ancient civilizations. And they talk about 
that the human being actually used to have 360 senses, that our glandular system acted each as its own sense. But if you go to the psi abilities, the psych abilities is kind of like this inner knowing, are they all, they're called the clairs, right? You have clairvoyance, which is clear sight. You have clairaudience, which is this like inner hearing, right? That different than the sound that you hear, but sometimes that's the sound inside your head, but there's also the sound of your soul and the sound of spirit and the sound of your guides and the sound of ascended ones, if you will. We also have the clairsentience, the claircognizance, the clairgustience. So these, all these different ways of coming to a knowing that goes beyond what we typically experience in our five sense reality. Now, what if that relationship with those other senses, which can be as strong as what we experience with the five senses, what if that relationship was as strong? What becomes possible then? Mm. My greatest example of this that I like to share is there was actually a guy named Cho who had one of the largest churches in the world. And he wrote this book called Fourth Dimension. In this book, Fourth Dimension, he gives this example. And basically because he talks with so much certainty of things that don't currently exist, right? In his mm -hmm. immediate reality, right? In this third dimensional reality. But when he receives the vision, it's like it is, right? And so he'll start communicating like it is. And so one of his friends challenged him. He says, hey, Cho, how is it that you speak of this idea with so much certainty and clarity and there's no evidence of it here at all? How is it that you do this? And he says, you know how when a woman gets pregnant, she knows in nine months she's going to have a baby? When I get my ideas, it's like I'm pregnant. Mm. The same mm. certainty. And it's so beautiful because now, you know, especially, you know, this move to Tucson, this was a pure spirit move. This vision dropped in. It's been beyond anything that I think I could have educatedly created or perceived. Logically, it doesn't make sense if I took you through the journey of how this home came to be and of the finances that were necessary for it to happen. And then this all coming through in 2020, you'd be like, where is this money coming from? How is this going to happen? And that's kind of how you know you are working in the spirit realm that it goes beyond anything linear that you could generate for yourself. Hmm. And it takes a linear process. It can make it exponential, right? It takes a Newtonian physics process. It can make it quantum. And so, yeah, direct spiritual transmission. In order to move into direct spiritual transmission in a way of manifestation, in a way of creation, we have to be willing to surrender. And that, again, that is losing the hardness of the dominant masculine because the dominant masculine wants control, it wants to predict. It's very left brain oriented. Whereas in order to allow spirit to transmit through us, for soul to transmit through us, we have to be willing to allow and trust that other voice, right? that other sight, that other wisdom. And it works just like any relationship because we all have it. And I'll share with you in a way that you know 100% that you have it. Mm. There's always something that when you're having a conversation and somebody offers an option that there's that, that first like, yes or no. And sometimes we feel it kinesthetically. Sometimes we feel it in our gut. Sometimes we feel it in our heart. Sometimes we just have this clarity in our head. Sometimes it's actually a kinesthetic feeling in our body. But often a yes rises up and it feels lighter. Often a no will compress down and in and it feels heavier. But then what happens is educated kicks in because the educated is actually slower. And it wants to then base its decision based on everything that it's experienced previously and its predictable future. 
And what will often happen is you're all, man, I should have went with the fucking first fucking thing that I felt because it was (laughs) whatever you decided your second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh action was off. Yeah. Trusting that gut. But it's hard to trust it because to trust it often, remember, it goes beyond what you've experienced in your physical reality. So there's a lot of fear in that because it's unknown. It's saying this, but I don't have any reference for this. Yes. And so it's hard to do. But I'll tell you right now, it is possible to have as much certainty, as much faith, and as much trust in the unknown as the known, which I do think is like another kind of parameter of how you know you're working with direct spiritual transmission. Do I trust myself in the shadow as much as the light? Do I trust myself in the unknown as much as the known? And how do I continue to be a better conduit for it all to happen through me, with me, for me? That's a heavy drop there, man. I really appreciate you bringing all of that in. I want to unpack. There's a lot in there. So let's <laughs> yeah. let's take a moment to unpack what yeah. you just dropped on us. So firstly, just to review the three paths to manifestation. The first is recreating a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I love how you said kinetic energy. That's something that's already in motion, something that we've witnessed. It's been modeled for us. We can press play on it and it continues to work and serve us moving forward. And then we can pass it on going to the next generation. And then there's creating from a wound, Mm -hmm. right? Where I've seen what it's not and I've experienced it myself. I've experienced pain and hardship. And then I've got to go into that wound to access the blessing from within. Right. And then there's this third option, which I think is going to be really fascinating for some people. This is probably also where a lot of people are like, man, I don't get it. I can't see it. I can't hold it in my hands. This taking the abstract, the untouchable, the intangible and trusting Like you said, that main ingredient, surrender. So first of all, here's what I really appreciate about you already. This is just our second conversation, but it's clear to me that you're a guy who understands the spiritual realm, but also speaks the scientific language. I find that a lot of people who don't know how to access or tap into spirituality or whatever that is for them, they lean on the logic of things. So when you use words like kinetic and potential energy, I'm just like, oh man, see, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It's more tangible for people. So- Is there a way to make that even more tangible? Let's say it's somebody who's listening right now is like, dude, this sounds great. I'd love to create from out of nothing, but where do I start? How do I even begin to understand that? Yeah. You know, the process that I like going through on a day-to-day basis to build better relationship with this all is movement, breath, work, and meditation in that order in the morning before interacting with anything else. Now I can come back to that. I can also give you a personal example of how this came to be for me, because this was not always the case. Because often what happens is that when you hear, you know, certain spiritual teachers, people teaching on spirit, if you will, again, it's more abstract, it's more out there, it's ethereal, it's meta, if you will. It's hard to ground in. And so I do want this to be very, very fucking clear. I do not come from this, mm-hmm. right? Meaning when I say that, it's although I had a, you know, a Christian upbringing, that form of spirituality, at least in my experience, was giving the spirituality to something outside of self. And that I was a pawn in the spirituality of it all and having a very physical experience in it all. I mean, that was my experience. I identified strongly with the matter and actually neglected and disrespected that anything existed beyond the matter, right? And so this is where you go, you know, really into, you know, kind of more of a Western science medical thought. It's just like, that's just, that's where I come from. So that's what I knew. And to the point that I neglected emotions as being important, right? So, which I think is also neglected mental health. And I struggled big time with mental health because of it all. And so with that said, there was an awakening process for me in this, and it came through the physical. 
There are very few, sometimes they're called avatars, not like the movie, but they're called avatars that actually do have more spiritual connection than they do physical connection. And they were born that way. I'm not that. I was born in a very physical matter oriented life. And so the way that I came to awaken to it, one was through my own self-healing, but it was through chiropractic practice. So not a lot of people are aware. I'm a chiropractor. I went to school in 2010, graduated 2013, ran a practice in Oakland, California called the Source Chiropractic. We'll run one here in Tucson, uh, the Source Chiropractic. We're becoming a franchise. A lot of people are unaware that chiropractic is based in spirituality. Meaning that when it first originated in 1895 by this guy, Dee Palmer, the whole mission was to unite the physical to the spiritual. That was it. <laughs> and there was a science to it, you know, basically by utilizing the spinous process or the transverse process of the spine as levers, you would alter the tone and the tension of the nerve that exits through the spine, which has connection to the spinal cord, which has connection to the brain, which means that people basically would better perceive their environment, right? Because we experience our life in the five senses through our nerve system, right? Every single sense that we experience has to do with how the nerves communicate and relay information to the brain, how the brain interprets that information and then relays it back out through the nerves. So, we sense and perceive our reality via our nerve system. And when there's excess tension or compression on certain nerves, that alters our perception. And this isn't even just a far out idea. This has been scientifically studied for now hundreds of years. And so with that said, the premise was basically that when the system was aligned, that it would better perceive its environment and be more connected to spirit straight mm -hmm. up. Which is wild because, you know, there's definitely factions of chiropractic that have strayed away from that quite a bit, but there's definitely still factions within chiropractic that are in line with those original principles. Now, with that said, I got into chiropractic for the physical. I did not get into it for that. And so I wanted to help people with the simple shit. You know, you had a back issue, you had a neck issue, potentially an extremity issue. I knew that by repositioning a joint that potentially there was going to be less inflammation, less pain. And it was that and way more. And so I didn't get into it for the other aspects. I didn't get into it for the emotional aspects. I didn't get into it for the spiritual aspects. I got it primarily for the physical, yet I kept being revealed things through the training. And this is what happened. And this is what I think people may be able to connect to. So when I chose chiropractic as a profession, and this is kind of one of the ways I live my life, I knew then that this was it for me. So a lot of my life, you know, like when you're in high school, you don't really know what you want to be. And so you're kind of like doing different things. And sometimes you're half-assed in some things. And the same thing in undergrad, like there were certain things that I, I did really well. There's some things I didn't really do well. And I was like, well, just because I didn't really know what exactly what I wanted. But when I committed to chiropractic, I committed to chiropractic and I knew that that was going to be my profession or my vocation. So I want to be fucking good, hmm. really good. The world's best. And so in that, I realized that if I wanted to be really good, then I got to understand, well, what are the people that I have a lot of respect for that are, are said to be some of the best in the profession? How did they get to where they're at? Because I'm just getting started. And if I can identify the characteristics of what got them to where they are at now, then I can develop the training. And so I was an athlete, right? So basically, since I could walk, I played some sport. And the principle of becoming a better athlete was you train aspects that make you a better fucking athlete. So if I want to you know, run a faster 40 yard dash, there's ways to fucking do that. Right. And so I want to be a great chiropractor. If I watch somebody adjust, it looks like an athletic event. So let me find out the things that they did to get them where they're at. 
So I did this interview series. I interviewed seven different chiropractors, right? And there's some of the best in the game at the time. And I asked them some baseline questions and there started to be some recurring themes and patterns and what made a great chiropractic adjustment, what made a great chiropractor and some things that came up with speed, presence was a huge one, focus, precision, balance, power. And so on those top six attributes, I started to develop a training system for it. I said, how do I train these pieces? How do I train power as it relates to a chiropractic adjustment? How do I train presence? How do I train this peace and focus? And this is where I started bringing meditation into my life, right? For presence and focus, meditation seemed to be a thing. And so I start doing these training groups, these underground training groups. And it's so funny. We call it, first we called it Adjusting Ninjas was the name of this group. It was this <laughs> underground group. And I remember actually I went to the library and I made these like little cards for people. And it was just like little four by four. I had to cut them, like self-cut them myself, right? It was like, you know, you print out like 16 on two pages and I had to cut them out. It's like the chiropractic fight club. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it was, man. And it's exactly that. And so I printed them out and I remember I hand them to my classmates and it was like, Adjusting Ninjas, like train the art, 6 a.m., Tuesday, right? And I think it was like super like mysterious, but like gave enough information. I was like, this is going to be the shit, right? Uh-huh. I show up and there's like nobody there, right? Of course. <laughs> 50 of them, like nobody there. Like, fuck. I was like, whatever. I got my training in. And then like, you know, the fucking next time it came through, there was like one. And then the next time I came through, there was like six. And I was like, oh shit. And I'm like, but yeah, we would do just like random ass shit of like pushing boundaries. Like, okay, what's the longest you've ever held a wall sit? All right, two minutes, mm-hmm. we're going to double it. We'll go four, you know? So like we're pushing like mind, body shit. But this is like when we started dropping in meditation. And then I uh, got introduced to breath work. And I, my first introduction was 49 breaths from my mentor out of Atlanta, Georgia called Dr. Sid E. Williams. And then later I got exposed to holotropic breath work that was created by Stanislav Groff. And so what I created was this formula that we would do in these morning adjusting ninjas training sessions. And what it was is it was like pretty intense movement. And then following the movement, we would introduce breath work. And then following the breath work, we do meditation. And then after the meditation, we would train our skills, right? Mm-hmm. And the purpose of all that was what at that time? Become a better chiropractor. That was it. Just to be a better chiropractor is still the focus. 100%. Mm-hmm. So I'm also like grading this on like the adjustments that I had received. And there was something too when somebody did an adjustment to me versus mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. from a hyper mechanical standpoint, like, okay, yeah, this is just, you know, flesh and bones on a table. I'm going to do the things that I'm going to do and you're going to be better versus like, no, this person has a fucking soul, has energy, is here, is present and is doing something with me. But some shit started to happen, right? So I committed to this process and in the beginning, it was two days a week at six in the morning. And then eventually it was four days a week. And then it was five days a week. And then we had five days a week plus an evening session. And then it became my life. I do that movement, breath work and meditation every day now. And I haven't missed in over two years. But even earlier on, I would say probably, so I graduated 2013, I'd say probably 2014, 2015, something started shifting. So originally that level of focus, awareness and intention working on the physical body made things in the physical system easier to appear. Right. That if I wasn't thinking about fucking lunch or a stressed out call that I just had with my girlfriend or whatever else, but I was actually in the moment with that person, I was better able to pick out, you know, what were the dysfunctions within their system. And then the experiences on the table started to shift from somebody coming in and just being like, wow, I, I feel better physically to 
there started being these like real strong breakouts of emotion, mm. meaning like I would adjust somebody and all of a sudden they're, they're fucking crying and I would adjust somebody and they're laughing like they haven't laughed in a while. Mm. And as these big emotional things started happening, at first I was surprised and kind of like, I don't know if this is for me. And it definitely seems like a new level of awareness and attention that's happening. And I thought this was a physical thing, but it's definitely expanding beyond. And I wasn't necessarily intending this, but here it is. And then what started to shift is then I actually started to be able to feel it before it happened. Meaning that shoulders that are hunched up by ears and just tight because they're tight. This person has been defending themselves for quite a time. This person has been in fear. This person is in fear in this moment. This person may be willing to let that go. And then that would change how I touch that person. I mean, this person's scared. This person has previous trauma here. This person's sad. And we started to realize is that every emotion carries an energy. Every emotion uh, changes the neurobiology. It changes our hormones, right? You feel an emotion, which creates a hormonal profile, which then kind of continues to trigger that emotion. And eventually that could become a behavioral trait and a personality and a personal reality. So there's this development, right, of now being able to not only create experiences and hold a space where people are allowed to feel emotions, but to actually be able to detect them myself before they even expressed. And then it continued to progress. Like, so what is this relationship and dance that I'm having with this vibration? And what I later started to learn in my meditation, so again, I'm, I'm continuing to do this movement, this breath work, and this meditation, and just evolving and learning new ones. And all while developing this relationship with itself, meaning that all information and emotions and wisdom first start as a whisper until they become a roar. All symptoms, right? What is a symptom, by the way? It's something that's allowing you to hopefully pay attention inside now. It's pain, pay attention inside now, because there's a lesson, right? You know, a symptom is a lesson that has yet to be revealed. And can you catch the subtleness of it? And so as I got more into the meditation, I would realize like something would come up and I'd feel something like, oh, wait, yeah, you're feeling kind of sad. Why is that? Well, I'm, behind every emotion is a need that's either met or unmet. When you're experiencing favorable emotions, more than likely the needs are being met. When you're experiencing unfavorable emotions, more than likely your needs aren't being met. And so if I was experiencing an unfavorable emotion, I'd be like, oh, I'm feeling sad right now. Why am I sad? I'm sad because I miss my community. I have a need for community. Okay. And so I started to develop this relationship with self and understanding needs. So now as I connect and I feel emotions, well, there's also needs there. And then that continued to progress to a soul level. There's meditations and breathworks that you can do that allow you to enter different vibratory states. I like to reason breathwork to a way to dial the frequency of what you're listening into. There's different brainwave states, you know, so the most common one is your waking beta Right. So this is when you're awake and you're typically doing logical reasoning, uh, especially even on this podcast right now, as you're thinking, even, but if I drop my voice down or in that lower vibration is theta, that's where a lot of your expert meditators will get into. This is also where we can have lucid dreaming. This is also where you'll activate the piezochromatic portion of your pineal gland. Yes, piezochromatic, meaning it actually emits color. And for those that have interacted with some of the entheogens, you've experienced that at a higher level. But it can be done through meditation. And then even lower is delta, which is sleep. 
but you can also go up to a higher frequency, which is gamma, right? And so gamma is more of a transformative brainwave state that's now utilizing left and right brain versus beta wave, which is a little lower, which is usually more left brain. So in the dialing of the frequency through the breath work, you can receive different information is what I've learned. So we are most commonly aware of our educated mind that has had the experience within this lifetime. You are also a soul. Now the soul has existed since existence and has experienced wisdom that far transcends what you've experienced in your life as whoever the fuck you say you are. How do you connect to that? How do you start to channel that wisdom? We're also a fragment, if you will, of spirit, of the all consciousness. And there's certain benevolent beings within spirit realm. There's also the malevolent. And so how do you channel what you're wanting to channel? Is there an ascended master that you want to connect to? Is there a certain frequency, a certain uh, educational system, if you will? And so oh, it just kept transcending, just kept us ascending, if you will, to the more I could experience and how that then took place on the table of what was possible. And yeah, so now in a realm of just, it's interesting to be a healing facilitator when you've started to master self. Let's drop into this a little bit because again, you just, I like the way that you work and operate, man. It's clear that you're just channeling something. And within that, I hear a lot of connecting to just presence and the senses, having a multi-sensory experience and part of the training that you were doing where you were just honing the abilities that you already had, that were already available to you, that were already present there and just doing your repetitions, that that led to progressively greater levels of presence, which sounds like it gave you greater access to these other senses that many of us have lost over time. Right. It sounds like whether, and this was, like you said, specifically applied to becoming a better chiropractor, but it sounds like it's really no different regardless of your pursuit. There's something about a mm -hmm. commitment to developing our senses and to developing the abilities and skills that we do have that opens up these other realms. So when we talk about creating a spiritual life, especially if you've turned one aside, because I came from similar to you, man. I came from a Christian background, Catholic background that never spoke to me because it was, it was external. I couldn't feel it within. And then my pathway back into it was starting to study Buddhism and meditation, just meditating with my friends in college who invited me into that and then progressing. It sounds like there's just getting started on tuning more into what's going on inside. A lot of the spiritual concepts that most of us have been exposed to, it's all external. Mm -hmm. But going within, there's a lot more that we can feel that we can sense and then bridging the gaps. That's the other thing I really appreciate is bridging the gaps between what humans in a Western, more modern world have figured out right. and put logic behind yep. and where the intersection between that and the spiritual reality is because mm -hmm. it exists. It does. It exists. And it's really fascinating when you can make those connections and start to like see the light bulbs turning on. Yes, brother. I can think of little else that's of more importance than increasing our awareness every single day. Life becomes more magical when we realize how much we are a co-creator in it all, right? There's many out there that are continually living life as it's happening to them. Instead of seeing how every single day, your thoughts, your actions, your words, your intentions, your community, that which you surround yourself with is continually creating what you're experiencing. And so if you don't like the world you live in, how can you start to shift your thoughts, your words? your actions, your community, that which you are surrounding yourself with. Yeah, so to me, that's empowering. 
And especially coming from a place when I experienced all those tragedies and the feeling of victimhood mm. uh, that lingered for a long time to be in a place where I know that whatever happens is for me as challenging as it may be. And, you know, something that I do for that is I have a, you know, evening gratitude ceremony because the challenges are here to help provide us lessons so that our soul can continue to evolve and heal. And the blessings are to help provide that other context so that we have more of a human experience and have that contrast, you know? Yeah. I mean, the big thing to get through is that we are capable of far more than we give ourselves credit for. And it does take a level of discipline, commitment to establish some of these born gifts, but we all have them. You know, many would say, you know, like I can't see auras or I can't do, 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 do. I'm like, how much have you trained it? It's really as simple as that. Like if you haven't gone through the processes, then like it's because you just haven't trained it. Anything you put your mind on and focus on and are willing to train, you can develop. For me, it's in one of the highest priorities I have in life. Continually get to see the more that I become aware different energies and vibrations and emotions and the feelings and the feelings are trying to direct me to what my needs are. And the more I can see the needs and feel, feel the emotions and the feelings of my family to be in the same environment of my wife and not have to say anything, but to feel her. And in that feeling already beginning to imagine what the met or unmet need is to feel my kids, what their needs are before them, even communicating them and then confirming in communication to hold space and you need for a potential to see what happens when I'm in the healing facilitation relationship and what that means to people when somebody is so present with them in unconditional love and needs nothing from them, you know, getting to continually observe and witness the gifts of the commitment, I think is what makes it worth it. And I have more ability to train it because more of a high volume chiropractor. I mean, you know, I got to see 150, 200 people a week you know, for a long, long time. And so that is a continual practice. Yes, I'm grateful for it. But I also know that anybody who wants this can have it and that they don't have to continually suffer. Yeah, man. Well, I love that you brought in the victimhood element to the conversation. And I guess it's going to have to be chapter two of this because we're already about at time here. But just that fact that we don't have to be a victim to our circumstances, that anyone at any point in time can change their circumstances by starting to believe in it and by imagining what that reality can be. I know that that was a conversation I really wanted a lot of folks to be interested in. Last year was just so tumultuous for mm -hmm. a lot of different reasons, right? The political conversations, the racial conversations, the gender conversations, the sexual conversation, all of the levels of pain, I guess, mm -hmm. pain that people were feeling that again, they were layering the suffering on top of that. Yes, we can acknowledge that. Yes, let's acknowledge what that brings up, but let's not get stuck there. And it seems like there's still a lot of people in the 8 billion people who exist on this planet who are ready for that conversation, who are ready to transcend that, who are ready to go beyond the circumstances and turn it into something else. They need more of that level three manifestation that you were talking about, right? That how to create it without being stuck in level two. Yeah. Amen. I agree. Yeah, yeah. But listen, man, I want to make sure I honor your time. I want to ask you a few lightning round style questions before I cut you loose, because this was amazing. Dude, a lot to unpack in there. But let me ask you a few lightning ones before I send you off. Sound good? All right. So firstly, what does it mean to be a man? The simple question to be a, a man would be based on your package, I guess. Simple. 
as far as gender, as far as we understand gender identities historically, I know it's shifting what it means to be a male or a masculine. Masculine and masculine and is different than man and, and woman. Yeah, I don't know if that's a long line of what you wanted to hear. <laughs> that's what it is. That's the truth. All right. So then what is one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew back when you were 18? You're on the right path. Yeah, man. Every 18-year-old needs to hear that one for sure. And then what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Humility. I like that one. All right, bro. Last but not least, where can people hear more of your wisdom, get to work closer to you, interact with you some more, hit us with the links, hit us with the socials, whatever you want to share. Yeah, the easiest way to connect is going to be at Dr. Brett Jones on Instagram and Dr. Brett Jones on Facebook. And then from there, you'll get to see, you know, some of the things that I produce and some things I offer. You can also head to www.drbrettjones.com and that's a good place to either, you know, book me for stages or podcasts. So yeah, man. Mm. And I got a book called Know Who the Fuck You Are. It's available on Amazon and uh, Heck yeah, man. there's a new book coming out, Principles of a Healing Facilitator, which should be out in the next couple of months here. Yeah, man. Definitely. You guys got to go and check this man out if you don't follow him already. I've got your book on my shelf, man. It's definitely a killer. It's a good one. And yeah, dude, really appreciate you making the time to be on here. I really resonate with your story. There's a lot of parallels there. It's good to discover more about who you are and what has driven and motivated you. And just really great to hear so much of what you've created from what life handed you, you know, playing the cards you were dealt and not just folding your hand, I think is probably my biggest takeaway from your story, man. So thanks, thanks for bringing that here today. And yeah, look forward to catching up with you further down the road. Yeah, brother. Appreciate you. Likewise. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that episode today. Make sure you go and cruise by risingman.org to see what latest offerings and opportunities we have for you to join our community, become a bigger part of the Rising Man family. It's all living over there at risingman.org. Make sure you follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast and subscribe as well. Go check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash the rising man movement and on Instagram at rising man movement. Shout out to the power team, Sean, Julian, Ryan, Rowan, Mark, and Kyle, and everybody else out there who tunes in each and every week. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. Your destiny.